Last week, the first Sunday of 2018, it was great. The first weekend of the year, the first Sunday, and I think a lot of us start the year with like some goals. That's kind of what we talked about last week, some resolutions. Here we are though, week two. Now, if you're like a lot of people, by week two, your resolutions are kind of like, <laughs> some of the ideas that you had a couple weeks ago, like, yeah, I'm totally going to do this. Like, you might have said a couple weeks ago, you know what, I'm going to work out more. I'm going to get in the gym more often. I'm going to go work out like three or four times a week. That's going to be great. I'm gonna, three or four days a week, I'm going to go to the gym. But right now, you're thinking, ah, that was dumb. Like, that's a lot of time. You know, I, I walk to my car like three or four times a day. Like, doesn't that... Doesn't that count? Like, do I get credit for that? So maybe your resolutions are starting to slip a little. Uh, maybe you decide you want to eat better, and so, like, you went to the grocery store, and you bought, like, a big bag of, I don't know, um, like, kale, or whatever, and you're like, this will be, this seems good. And you, and you went to your house, and you, like, got all the sugar out of your cabinets, but then by, like, Wednesday last week, you're like, man, sugar's good, and kale is, I just don't need that in my life, and maybe I'm fine, maybe I'm good, you know, so I don't know if your resolutions are starting to slip. The truth is, it's hard to commit to things that are new and different and life-changing, right? I mean, we've, we, I mean, any big life change we have in our life, it takes adjustment, it takes some intentionality, and it's even harder to stick it out for the long haul until we see the real growth, because at first it just feels kind of painful, <laughs> and then you're like, why don't I just, things were fine before, and so uh, the struggle it's true in so many areas of our life, but I'm so hyper aware that this struggle couldn't be more true than it is in our spiritual life. I mean, we try to make big spiritual changes. I mean, there's, there's more than just sugar fighting against us. I mean, there's just all kinds of weight, all kinds of spiritual battle, all kinds of baggage and background, and it fights us hard. And so we started a series this past weekend, or last week, called That's Gonna Leave a Mark. And it's a study through about the first third of the book of Mark in the New Testament of the Bible. And what we're looking at is the mark that's left on our life, the change, the, uh, I don't know, just the, the huge difference it makes when we decide to live for Jesus. And man, I know as good as anybody, it's not easy to commit to that. And we slip and we fall and we drop our resolutions. But it's about the work that we put in to try and do better. Uh, every week we like to look to the Bible uh, for the answers to life's most important questions. And, and so if you've got a Bible today, go ahead and grab it. We're going to continue right, right where we left off last week. Um, hope you got a Bible. There will be scripture on the screen behind me in just a second. If you don't have a good, readable, like modern version of the Bible and you need one, we give them away for free. So before you leave today, there's some in the lobby. Kind of uh, There's a connection hub out there. It says like uh, next steps and new here and that table. Get one of those. They're free. You don't have to pay for it. There's also, I think, uh, some on a chair right outside the door as you leave. Uh, feel free right now to go grab one if you want to. But don't leave without a good, readable version of the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Mark. Uh, it's in the New Testament of the Bible. You can look in your index in the front of the Bible if you need uh, to help finding it. But it's a really short biography about the life of Jesus. And last week, we, we kind of got through the first little section of chapter 1. And we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 1, verse 9 today. And so if you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip over there. But while we turn there, I want to give you some background on where we're about to land. Okay, Two people you've got to know about. First of all, if you were here last week, you might remember we talked about a guy. You remember who our main guy last, not, last week was? John the Baptist. Yeah, I gave you the first half, so you got the second half. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had a really important job. His job was to prepare the way for Jesus' ministry. And so he kind of hit the scene a little bit before Jesus, a couple years early, and he starts preaching out in the wilderness outside of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's this big, huge metropolis of a place at the time. And he's out in the wilderness of a region called Judea. And he's out there, and he's just preaching. And his message is pretty simple. His first big message is repent. His first big, we'll talk about that in a second. And his second thing is, if you're going to repent, you need to commit to this by being baptized. And so that's his message. The people that were coming to him, they're repenting. They're kind of confessing their sins before God. 
and as a sign of their commitment to this life change, they're being baptized. Let's talk about repentance for just a second. You know, it, it seems like a churchy word, but it's actually a great, great word. Uh, I read something recently that I'd never heard this before. Maybe you'd seen it, but uh, uh, some people say that that word repentance originated some in the military. And so like a, you know, a, a commander of some kind has got a group of his troop there, and he's saying to them, he says, repent. And this is kind of the command about face. And so I'm marching this way, and the, word, the, the command was actually something along the lines of repent, and they would turn around. And cause that's, I love that visual because that's what repentance is. For us, it's not always a 180-degree turn. Sometimes it's just a little bit of a one-degree course correction. But all of that is repentance. It's taking a life that wasn't aimed at God and it's aiming it at God. And uh, we started out this morning talking about how hard it is to keep commitments. And I really love that God is so aware of that. He knows how much we stink at that. <laughs> He's like, man, you can't commit to anything. He gives us all kinds of different ways to refocus our brains. And if you look through the whole Bible, I mean, from cover to cover, and you look through all the great teachers that are in the Bible, almost exclusively, their number one message, they preach about a lot of different topics and things, but their number one message is repent, which is just aim your life at God. Whatever you were aiming at before, re-aim at God, recalculate, course correct, repent. So it's no surprise to me that as John is setting the stage for Jesus, that's his message. And the people that hear this message and decide to turn their life to him, they decide to get baptized. Now, John didn't invent baptism. Lots of people have done some sort of water immersion uh, kind of ceremony throughout, but, but John uses it here as this ceremony of the people who have decided to commit to this way of honoring and living for God. Um, baptism is a spiritual ceremony. It's a lowering of someone into water and raising them out of the water, and it kind of symbolizes uh, the death of an old self, the life of a new self. Water, obviously, you know, if you've taken a bath before, it kind of symbolizes a cleansing. We wash our hands. This whole picture is something that John's setting up to say, look, this is your commitment, a new life, a changed cleansing. But that wasn't John's biggest message. We looked at this last week, and this is still a little bit of background before we get into verse 9. Last week, John had a very clear message. Yes, I'm asking you to repent. I'm asking you to turn to God, and you're being baptized. But if you look at verse 7, Mark chapter 1, verse 7, it'll actually be on the screen here. John was saying this. But after me comes someone more powerful than I. The straps of his sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I love that visual. Like, dude, he's so awesome, I can't even tie his shoes. You know? Like, I'm not worthy. He says, I'm baptizing you with water. But this guy coming after me, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpack that some today. So that's the background. Background on uh, Jesus, uh, a background on John. Let's talk about Jesus real quick. We're about to see him step into the scene. Jesus at this time is about 30 years old. Uh, next week uh, on Wednesday, I think, is my birthday, by the way, in case anybody's just curious, want to <laughs> jot it down. Uh, but I turn 36 years old next week. Uh, and so, like, if you... My life, the life that I've lived, it's neat to think, okay, I'm, I'm like six years older than Jesus was when he started his ministry, and, uh, which in some ways is like, okay, I'm not too bad off. <laughs> Jesus, he was 30. Uh, but that, I say that, though. You, you look at someone my age, you're like, okay, that's about the age Jesus was when he got started in his ministry. I've done a lot in my life right now. And, and in, in your 30s, you probably, you hit a time, you're like, I've done a lot. Jesus has done a lot in his life up until he comes into the public spotlight. The coolest thing about Jesus stepping into the spotlight here in verse 9 when we're about to see him is this. Jesus has not done any of the things yet that he's famous for. Isn't that neat? 
Like think of like the most famous person you can think of, but just imagine the day before they did the first famous thing they ever did. He hadn't done any of the miracles that he's about to do to prove that he's God in the flesh. He hasn't called his disciples to follow him and teach them. He hasn't like started these huge preaching campaigns where he's traveling from village to village, town to town, and like changing people's life. He hasn't started any of that. But this is the day where God's about to just open things up and say, all right, it's on. The world's about to change, and Jesus is about to step into the spotlight. Okay, background John, background Jesus. Let's jump in. Mark chapter 9. We're going to get a whole story in one sentence. That's how, John, that's how Mark rolls. Mark is like, man, I don't need to say much. Some of you guys who get fussed up by your wives for not talking enough, you'd love Mark. Like, he's just like, man, I said what I need to say. Like, read between the lines if you need to. This is all I got to say. Look at this story he tells in one sentence, and then we're going to unpack it. Mark 1, 9. It says, one day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. Thanks, John. Uh, not John, Mark. Thanks, Mark, for all those details. Um, luckily, it's written down in other places, so we get more details I'm going to give us in a second. But I want to pause here and ask this question. You see what's happened. John's been baptizing. He says, someone's coming after me, and he's going to be great, and he's going to baptize you, the Holy Spirit. And he's like, he's, he's talking about Jesus. He even says in one of his sermons in another place, he says, this guy's going to be the Messiah, the chosen one of God, the Savior of the world. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And he's at work one day. John's at work. He's baptizing people, and he looks up, and here comes Jesus. And what does Jesus ask him to do? I don't want you to baptize me. And this is the number one question people ask. You may have asked this question before. If you've never seen this passage before, you might be asking the question, why did Jesus need to be baptized? Talk back to me a little bit. What was uh, G- John's big message he was trying to get people to do before they got baptized? You remember? Repent. All right, repent means turn back to God. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is God. So turning back to God, not necessary. Repentance is also about like confessing your sins and moving forward past your sins. And we... we the only way Jesus' whole thing works is if he doesn't sin. And we're told very various sources that he just he lived the life without sin. So he didn't need to repent. He didn't need to repent of his sins or confess his sin. Why did he get baptized? If you've ever asked that question, you're in good company. Because you know who also asked that question? John the Baptist. <laughs> hey, I need you to baptize me. Say, what? And some, I'm going to paraphrase John's sentence. He says, I think this is in Matthew where he says this. But he's like, you should be baptizing me. <laughs> I don't need to be baptized. Okay, I'm a guitar player, and I've had guitar students. I've done guitar lessons. This would be like, um, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, like one of the greatest guitar players ever lived. I've given a guitar lesson, teaching some little chords and scales to like a, you know, seven-year-old. Stevie Ray Vaughan walks in the room and says, hey, Chris, man, I need you to, I don't know how Stevie Ray Vaughan talks. I, I imagine it's kind of like, you like that. But, <laughs> hey, Chris, I was wondering, man, could you, could you show me some scales or something? What? No, Stevie. <laughs> You should be showing me scales. You're the master. I'm the meager nothing. And so this is what's going on with Jesus and John. I love Jesus' reply. Uh, I have it on screen for you. This is actually in Matthew. We're studying through Mark, but we're going to have to get some details from Matthew. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Apparently, John didn't, like, have anything he could say to that. So it says, John consented. Okay, I mean, if you say so, uh, it teaches me a lot, actually. We don't have to understand what God's up to to obey him, but that's a sub-lesson. You can leave now if that's all you need. Um, but why did Jesus do this? I think there's a little bit more to it. Uh, some reading I did, I, I'm, I read a lot of a guy named Mark Moore. Um, I, I quote Mark Moore a lot. Parents, I want you to know something, especially if you're a middle school or high school student. We go to the Carolina Christian Youth Conference every year with our teenagers as our group is kind of growing and growing. It's going to be in Winston-Salem this year. But our main speaker is going to be this, this guy, Mark Moore, who I'm constantly quoting. Um, and so uh, I hope you can get your, your kids out to see him. But you can ask me more about it if you want to know more. But Mark Moore says this about that. 
Uh, he has a book called The Chronological Life of Christ. He says, Jesus' baptism has two functions. First, it announces the inauguration of Jesus' public ministry. Second, his baptism identifies Jesus as the Messiah. So this is a moment where Jesus says, I'm here. I'm here and I'm here to do something. See, John had spent all this time announcing that a Messiah was coming, a Savior, God's chosen one. And this was the day where Jesus is going to make it official. The, the moment sets into play everything else that's going to follow. We just sang this song, what a beautiful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. We wouldn't be singing songs like that had this moment not happened. And this moment is actually a picture of what God is about to do through Jesus. If you play Jesus' story forward a little bit, in about three years, Jesus is going to give his life on a cross. And so we talk about like at Easter. And he bears the sins of all the worlds on his shoulders. And it says that he kind of goes into death. He accepts it. But then he defeats death. And he defeats sin in that moment so that we can, through him, have new life. That is the message of Jesus. And there's this cool thing that happens here. It's as if Jesus was walking into the water to prepare the path for everything else, else is about to happen. He's about to die for the sins of humanity. So the beginning of his ministry, he's going to kind of repent for the sins of humanity. He's not repenting from his sin. He's saying, listen, almost literally, hey guys, come on in. The water's fine. You know? It's very common in the Eastern culture where Jesus is living for uh, the leader of a group to repent on behalf of their people. A patriarch, a father, might uh, have a dishonorable thing happening in his family. And so he might repent on behalf of his family. Go to the village elders and say, listen, we messed up, but I'm going to take the brunt for that. Right? You follow me? Or a king might repent on behalf of his people. We see this all through the Old Testament. Or a prophet or a priest. In the Eastern culture, repentance isn't just an individual thing. It's a group thing. So like if we as a church were, were being mis, you know, losing our way in our city and not doing what we needed to do, uh, one of our leaders could stand up and say, guys, you know what we've been doing this wrong? Lord, we repent on behalf of our church family, so we're going to move forward. You see this? And so as Jesus steps in this thing, you step into an Eastern mindset, and you see Jesus is doing more than just getting wet. He's doing more than just saying, I got some sins I need to talk about with God. He's saying, I'm inaugurating something big, and I want to invite everybody else in to follow me on this. Before we finish up Jesus' story here, because um, true to Mark's form, he doesn't have a whole lot more for us, but there's a lot packed into the few words he has. Uh, I, I want to take a minute to talk about baptism. Baptism is a big part of the Christian uh, faith and, and fish, Christian journey. Baptism, in a word, is about commitment. Why do Christians get baptized? Why don't we talk about baptism? See, Jesus stepped into the water as a commitment of the mission he was about to live out. And it's really cool that as a, when the church began, Jesus used the same ceremony, baptism, to actually uh, identify the moment of commitment for a believer. Like when someone believes in Jesus, you, say, okay, you, believe, you believe in me? Here's what you want to do. You want to follow me in baptism. And you want to make this a moment where you decide to be baptized. And I like to explain baptism like this. Um, so go with a journey on me here. About 20 years ago, uh, I was in a geometry class. And I met this cute girl. Her name's Lindsay. And, uh, so, and, and like, we really hit it off real fast. And, uh, man, so like, I started, you know, I got her number. And we got on the phone a few times. And then like, we started like, dating. She became my, my girlfriend. And so like, it really went well. And, like, I'm not sure what she saw in me. But I was like, I'm totally winning right now. And so like, we'd hang out on Friday nights. And we'd talk on the phone occasionally. And, and like, she did classy stuff. Like she would wear my letter jacket in my class ring. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it was serious. It was <laughs> really serious. And it went well. Um, and that was back in 1999. So what if I told you, it's almost 20 years now since that day. What if I told you right now, you know what I mean, Lindsay? We are still dating. Yeah, 
Yeah, like boyfriend and girlfriend. Like every Friday night, I drive over to her mom and dad's house, and I, I pick her up. Or like, I mean, we stay home. We stay home. We're actually, we're really comfortable with each other now. So we like watch TV with her parents. It's cool until it gets too late, and then we all need to go to bed. So then I drive back to my parents' house, and I get on the bottom bunk of my bunk bed. My brother's on top, and, like, and I get the cordless phone, you know, from the living room, and we talk, man, until, until we fall asleep. We got the caller ID, beep, or the, you know, call waiting beeping in my ear. You remember those days? And, man, that was, those are good days. And so since 1999, we were killing it in 1999. We just kept it up. It's been great. Like, she still wears my letter jacket, uh, class ring. Um, man, it's great, and she's still got the bangs from high school, like, it's, it's perfect, and we haven't changed a thing, like, okay, so if you don't know me very well, you might be like, this is a dumb story, why did I come to church today, uh, you might even be like, 20 years, dude, seriously, like, commit already, you're still dating this girl, you're still going to her mom's house to pick her up, she deserves more from you than this, she deserves commitment, well, most, most of you know, that's not what happened, Lindsay is my wife, uh, now, and I don't have time to tell you the super romantic story that it, that it would be, but uh, yeah. But, uh, but we did. We hit, we hit a spot early on in our relationship where we were like, yeah, this is going to work. This will do just fine. And so we started making plans. And, and um, we wanted to make our relationship official and forever, not kind of holding on by a strand like it could end at any time. And so we decided to get married. I saved my money from uh, flipping burgers at the, d- the diner that I was working at. I went to my buddy. Uh, it was in a, a mall, like a mall where I worked. And across the hall, was I had a buddy who worked at the jewelry store. Guys, this is it. You younger guys, listen, this is what you got to do. You got to become friends with somebody that works at the jewelry store, okay? <laughs> 50% off employee discount. Boom, wisdom bomb. You just got it. And so, like, I buy the ring, and I ask Lindsay to marry me. And um, in case you were wondering, she said yes. <laughs> And here we are, and we've been married for almost 15 years. Um, here's the thing. We wanted to commit to loving each other officially and forever until death do us part. And so we got married, and we had a ceremony. And it wasn't fancy, we, but we took vows, and we made promises. I will be faithful, and this is forever. And it hasn't always been easy. You guys have been in, you who have been in marriages, you know, like, it's not easy. Someone once said marriage isn't easy. That was like the biggest understatement they ever told me. Um, but we said, you know, we, we committed to this. And on the other end of it, when times get hard, we have that day to look back at. We got pictures. Uh, we got, you know, this ring. And we can look back and say, this was a commitment. And we decided we were all in. And I understand you know, a lot of you have been in marriages that didn't work out. Here, here's the thing about that. Um, we're imperfect. <laughs> and so the commitments we make with each other sometimes have weaknesses. But the idea here is that we committed to it. God is all about ceremonies. And he's all about establishing covenants by giving us something tangible that we can hold on to. A moment to look at. And, and something tangible we can touch and feel and taste. That's why we take communion every week at our church, to remember what Jesus did for us, this covenant he formed in his blood. So he gave us this little meal, a cracker, cracker and the juice that we do every week. And it, it, it's, it's, God, it's us saying to God, like, God, I don't want to just date you. Like, I don't want to just show up at your house once a week, church. And I don't want to just, you know, get on the phone with you every now and then, the Hail Mary prayers we throw up every now and then. But I want to say I'm all in, and I want to make this official, and I want to make this forever, and I want to let you know that I'm in. And he gives us this ceremony of baptism to say that to him. And it's pretty cool because when times get hard, we can look back and go, you know what? I don't know where my head is right now, but I did make that commitment. And the cool thing is God doesn't drop his end of the bargain ever. And he says, I will be with you forever. Jesus' last instructions to his disciples before he went back into heaven, you can read it on the screen here. It'll be Matthew 28, uh, verse 19 and 20. Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore, go into 
make, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love this next sentence. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And the next sentence says, and I will be with you always. And so this is his instruction. He says, when people want to commit to me, I could talk a lot about that verse, but we're talking about baptism right now because of John's baptism. He says, when people want to commit to me, baptize them and help them know that this is a beginning for their relationship. Uh, you might remember what John said in verse 7 and 8. We read it earlier. Before Jesus stepped up onto that moment, John said in, in Mark 1, 8, he said, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us something in our baptism. Uh, the Apostle Paul calls the Holy Spirit the seal of our salvation. In our weddings, we get rings, and you exchange vows, and maybe you have them printed on a piece of paper somewhere. For a little while, this is advice if you've never done this. My wife and I used to keep our vows in our bedroom in a frame, um, and then we moved, and our wall space was less, and I don't even know where those are right now, but it's okay, because I got a ring. But, you know, we need to have these moments to look back on when we say, I committed, and it was... And it was forever, and it was official. So, um, Jesus gets baptized. And uh, he gives us this gift. And, and, sorry, let me back up. When we get baptized, he gives us this gift. He gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And it's like a ring. It's like a seal. Several times in Scripture, the Apostle Paul calls it something like a seal or a promise or, or like a sign of our salvation. And it's really cool because the Holy Spirit is God's presence working in our life. As a comforter, as a guide, as a teacher, sometimes there's someone to slap us on the hand and be like, oh, I just probably should redirect. Um, before we become a Christian, we have something called our conscience that kind of guides us a little bit. And I'll tell you what, if we're getting more and more in the Word, God's Holy Spirit just takes over our conscience and helps us do even better and even better and seek Him every day. Okay, so I want to get back to the story in Mark and wrap up this, this Jesus baptism moment. Jesus is baptized, and it's a major moment as He kickstarts His ministry. Mark uh, 1, verse 10 through 11, as we continue, it says that Jesus, as he was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being opened and the Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice of one from heaven that said, you are my son whom I love and with you I'm well pleased. I've baptized a lot of people uh, and I've been present at a lot of baptisms. I've never seen the sky open up and I think it would be so cool to see that happen. But in this moment, a few really amazing things happen and it basically is this. Uh, we, we kind of understand that God has three uh, you know, parts of his being, uh, that, and, and we get to see all three parts of his being in the same moment. And this is one of the few times in, in the Bible where we get to see a story where it all plays out. First, we see Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh, and he's, and he's right there, and he's, he's stepping into this role that's going to be the Savior of the world where he's going to lead people to God uh, through his love. We see Jesus. That's, that's the one part that we see. This is God's uh, physical manifestation of us. And then we see God's spirit. It says here that his spirit descended like a dove. And I don't know exactly what this looked like. According to the, the painting at my grandma's house, it was actually like a dove, like a bird, like, and like it landed. Is that what, bird, is that what doves sound like? And it landed on, uh, on Jesus' shoulder. And I don't know if it was actually a dove, um, because, and this is why I say this. There are some things in the world that are really hard to describe. And two things that are really hard to describe are, are powerful things and beautiful things. Let me ask you a question. What color is a sunset? pick one you know uh-huh yeah it's hard because beautiful things are really hard to describe another thing that's hard to describe is powerful things what what is like dynamite exploding sound like sounds like dynamite <laughs> because powerful things are hard to explain and so i just i, I pity the person the people who had to like they saw the holy spirit descend and they're like it looked like um a dove <laughs> 
maybe the Holy Spirit really did like come and manifest as a bird, maybe, or maybe it was just something else. I don't know, but I say that because I think this is a powerful moment. The Spirit of God is coming amongst these people with Jesus. And then we see the third part, which is God the Father. And God the Father very seldom uh, shows his face, quote unquote, he never shows his face at all, but he shows up most often to us as word. In the beginning, God created with word. And Jesus, it said that is the God's word became flesh, and, and guess how he shows up here? He speaks. And what does he say? This is my son, and I'm happy with him, and I love him. I love that as these three things are happening in Jesus' baptism, Jesus doesn't miss the opportunity later to teach us that this is what happens when we choose to commit to God in baptism. All three parts of God's whole presence are there as we choose God. And so, of course, Jesus is the, the, the object of our worship as Christians, as believers, and he's there. But then you also have God's Holy Spirit. We find out that uh, in Acts chapter 2, for example, some people are saying, how do we turn to God? And, and, and the apostle Peter is preaching. He says, well, you need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of your sins. And it says the Holy Spirit is right there in that moment. And as believers, when you become a believer in Jesus, his Spirit guides you. And so it's there. And then the third thing that's also true, I don't know if you've ever heard the voice of God um, I can't say that I really have myself. I've had moments where I'm like, hmm, that might have been God shaking me up. But we do know, for example, it's just one example. The Apostle Paul talks in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. I'll throw it on the screen. It says, so that in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. What was it that God said about Jesus when he was baptized? This is my son. And it says in verse 27, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And he puts the, the family robe on you, you know, you're in. And so the father looks at us and he says, I'm pleased. I applaud your decision. It even says in scripture that when someone chooses to give their life to Jesus, the angels in heaven celebrate. And so God is a big fan of that commitment. Baptism leaves a mark. That's going to leave a mark. And it's a mark of commitment to a changed life. But I'm not, not only that, as we wrap up, I want to talk about the two things that, 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 Choosing Jesus, and in this moment, what Jesus did to choose this mission that he was on happened. Baptism is a mark of a commitment to a changed life. The first question I have for you is this. Have you committed to a changed life? And then the other thing that I think that, that choosing Jesus and being baptized and moving forward officially and forever and all that, that really, really solidifies for us is the second question. Are you committed to the mission? See, when Jesus stepped into the water, he said, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I'm in for what you called me to. And we know from watching Jesus' life that there were times when life as a human got hard. And he went to God sometimes like, isn't there another way? <laughs> this is really hard. These people are stupid. <laughs> like, I don't even know. But he follows through. He's committed to the mission. And I want to go through those two questions because I think it hits all of us in the room this morning. I think when, when you associate with Christianity, uh, you can do it in a lot of different ways. Some people associate Christianity as a culture. Like it's been said, America is a Christian nation. And some people are like, really? <laughs> but it's, it's a culture. Like, there's kind of an agreed set of values, and we kind of like, yeah, there's a God. And like, there's some, there's some things. It's a culture. It's kind of a lifestyle. You don't have to like even go to church to call yourself a Christian. And maybe it's just uh, a culture for some people. Another way people associate with Christianity is like, it's a religion. And religion is basically this. Religion is a list of things that humans try real hard to do to appease uh, God and, and hopefully find favor with him. And so there's this list of things. That's what religion is. The problem is, there are a lot of opinions about what that list should be. Like, that's why there's hundreds of religions. 
well, let's listen. Well, we should have this. We should do that. We should aim at this person, that person. And so Jesus steps into this scene. Jesus said, I didn't come to create religion. I actually came to establish relationship. I came to bridge the gap. Religion says I work hard to reach up to God and climb a ladder and get as close as I can to him and just hope that's good enough. But Christ says, no, no, I stoop down to humanity. And even in their brokenness, I'm going to reach out to them and show them the way back to me. So maybe you associate uh, Christianity through culture, maybe through religion. Um, You can associate Christianity in a lot of different ways. But the question is, are you committed to Jesus as your king and Savior, and Lord, and life giver? Are are you wanting to make that relationship official and forever? Because if that's you, if you're in a position, you're like, you know what? It's not just culture for me. It's not just religion for me. It's not just a title. It's not just what I check on Facebook or on the census to say, like, I kind of associate with these people. But is it something that changes your life? And the question I have for you today, if that's you, if you've been thinking, you don't have to know everything there is to know about God, good gracious, you're on an unreasonable journey at that point. You don't have to have read the whole Bible even. But if you've been coming to church long enough or been involved in faith long enough to go, you know what, Christianity seems like it makes a lot of sense. My question for you is, are you ready to get baptized? Because this is, this is a big step. And it's no longer about saying, I want to date you, God. I want to just keep learning about you. I want to court you. Because I think you can do that for years and years and years and years and never say, God, I want to make it official and I want to make it forever. And so that's the question I have. But here's another question. Uh, maybe you've been baptized, but it like, wasn't your decision. It was you were a child or maybe a baby or maybe you went like, to a class. It was a really good class, but at the end of the class, they were all like, okay, we're all getting baptized now. And you're like, okay, that's what you do. But on the other end of it, you realize, well, you know, it really wasn't my decision. I just did it because whatever else. And first, I want to applaud those steps you've taken. That's part of your faith journey. That's fantastic. But when we look through Scripture, what we see is God wants each one of us to make this choice So my question for you is the same. Do do you want to make this choice your own? Do you want to be baptized? If you want to do that today or this week, one thing we do a little different here, we don't really ask you to like come forward. We don't do like a, maybe if you've done church much, you do like an altar call. Um, The Bible doesn't say we have to do that. So we're like, cool, that's fine. We're not going to. Um, Because it's really not about you at that moment. (laughs) And it's also hard to sometimes make those big decisions in front of a big group of people. Instead, what we ask you to do is is find someone to talk to. And so every week we provide uh, some people to stand in the two little hallways here. Uh, Maybe you just got questions about faith. And you're like, I don't know about baptism, but I do have questions about my faith. I want to encourage you to take some of those steps. Maybe walk and talk to one of these people. Uh, they're just spiritual leaders at our church, and I mean, I, they've got my 100% uh, you know, endorsement that they could definitely help you today. Maybe you just want to make a note on this little card that was in your seat um, and drop it in the bucket and say, look, will someone please call me? I've got questions. I'll call you personally. I'd love to. Or if you don't want me to call you, be like, anyone but Chris, please call me. That's fine, too. Put your phone number on there. I don't have ESP. Um, but uh, maybe that's the decision you can make. If nothing else, begin thinking about it. What does it mean for you to commit? The second question that I had is this. Are you committed to the mission? Because a lot of us in this room have already committed officially and forever. But my question is, are you living on the mission? God didn't call us to just come and get wet and and come sit in a church service once a week. He said, look, i got a mission for you. What does 2018 look like for you? Let's say you take a snapshot in your mind of you today, spiritually. And you play that forward to December 31st of 2018. What is going to be different about you on December 31st than is different about you today? Because if nothing has changed, I want to make a a statement here. You have not committed to the mission. You have done nothing. And that's not me stepping on anybody's toes. That's me coming right into my own face saying, get it together, dude. God loves you, and you owe him more than that. 
So take that snapshot real quick, and let me give you some ideas of some things we can maybe be doing. Uh, maybe for you, 2018 needs to be the year that you read the Bible more. I don't know what steps I need to take. You know what? God's given us his word. Here's a challenge. If you've been in uh, church very long and you've never read through the whole New Testament of the Bible, you have been lazy. You haven't tried very hard. You might, ha- you might know more about your favorite video game, your favorite restaurant, your favorite athlete, your favorite musician than you know about the person you call your Lord and Savior. And if that hurts a little bit, that ain't me. That's the Holy Spirit because you asked him in. <laughs> this is my challenge to you. Make this to you. You read the Bible and start with the New Testament. You can read the New Testament. The book of Mark has less words than any book that anybody else would say is a bestseller. You can read the book of Mark and you can know more about Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get hooked because this is life-giving message. Maybe for you, uh, 2018 needs to be the year you start serving. You know, your church family needs you to serve. Every single week, uh, we see some of the same faces every single week, and I praise those people. They're awesome. They're great. But maybe you've been part of your church family for a while, but you haven't really activated on our mission in this city. One of the biggest gifts we provide this city, I think, is our Sunday morning service. Um, people, a lot of you have come in the first time like, man, that's what I needed in my life. Uh, will you be a part of that? Your church family needs you. Maybe you say, this is the year I take steps and grow and serve. I've grown more serving than almost anything else. Uh, but there's more ways to serve. We talked about the city team meeting coming up. It doesn't have to just be on Sunday morning. Maybe you just need to serve with a nonprofit in town. Maybe you just need to get with some friends of yours and say, how can we just love people the way Jesus would? But are you committed to the mission? Maybe you need to commit to God uh, in your finances this year. Do you know finance is probably the number one thing that keeps us from God? Because as long as we can pay our bills and be comfortable, we don't need God. Because I can take care of myself. What if you committed this year to setting aside a portion of your income for the kingdom of God? And I say this every week, you don't have to give it to our church. But in faith, God tells us over and over, that's mine and I want you to trust me with it. So I want to challenge you, what's in 2008 for you to grow and live out the mission? Trust God with that hard thing to let go of. There are some great nonprofits in this city that serve a Christ-centered way. Uh, Maybe we had a missionary here a few months ago named Brian Paris. Dude is translating the Bible in languages that didn't have written languages a few years ago in Papua New New Guinea. Maybe you want to know more about him, I could give you his number. He would love for you to support his family so they can stay over there and do that work. Maybe you are committed to the mission of this church and you want to set aside a portion of your offering to help the ministry you have as we reach out to the city, whatever it is. Maybe this is the year where you do that, live on mission. Here's some personal things. Maybe you just struggle altogether with all of this because you deal with like a bunch of like anxiety. Like you just struggle with worries. Like I don't know what tomorrow holds, so I have a hard time trusting Jesus. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. I, I, want, you, I want you to quit worrying about tomorrow because I've got you today. I tell this to my kids all the time. God has a plan for flowers and birds and animals. He loves you way more than that. He takes care of them. He's going to provide for you. So maybe this is a year where you just say, I'm going to stop worrying so much. And maybe for you, the biggest area for you is you just have all kinds of holes in your faith. I got questions. That is a great place to be. Because when you think you've got all the answers, you're confused more often than not. But if you're willing to open up and say, I got issues, I got questions, I got problems, maybe this is a year where you start digging through some of those. Make a note on your connection card. Say, I need some help with these questions. Talk to these guys on the sidelines here after service. Whatever. Let's work through some of those things. Here's the biggest one I want to talk to you, and we're going to have a whole series based on this in February. But this is the biggest thing as we wrap up today. What if your step this year was to actually live out the great commission of Jesus? He said to his disciples, go into the world and make disciples. And baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and I will be with you to the end of the age and I just want to ask you this question if you're like here for the first time or you are very very new to Christianity you kind of get a pass for a little while but I think a lot of us in the room right now are not are not new (laughs) and here's my question for you have you ever led someone else to Jesus 
Are you currently right now trying to tell someone else about what God has done in your life so that they can know about it too? Because that's the mission. And if we're not doing that, we're failing at the mission. And God's kingdom will grow with or without me or with or without you. But God says, I want to partner with you to put the world back together. Maybe this is the year where you take that serious. Who's someone in your life that you would love to tell about the wonderful name of Jesus and what he's done for you? Who is that? You can write their name down right now. And you don't have to go beat them in the face with the Bible tomorrow morning. In fact, I recommend that you not do that. It could be a 10-year process. But you begin to intentionally, strategically love them. And if you get to a point where you're like, I don't know what the next steps to take are, come, come ask me. Come ask some of these guys. Ask anybody because we're all in this together. Because we need to love people enough to show them the way to Jesus. What kind of commitment do you need to make? Do you need to be the, this to be the year where you commit for the first time? Make it official, make it forever. Do you need to commit to the mission? Let's not leave today until we decide that. Look at that snapshot from today and on December 31st, 2018, what will be different? How different will you be? How much will you have grown? How much will you have learned to trust God? How much will you have overcome the mess and the sin and the addiction that right now is crippling you? And you wake up every morning going, why? And what if on the, the end of this year you're like, God delivered me from that. How far will you have come? Do you love God more? Are you closer to him? Do you see progress in your life? Do you see a difference in the people around you? Are you living the mission? That's going to leave a mark. Let's pray. God, you're good. Thank you for the time we've had today to just get into your word. Uh, man, just some like soul-shaking conviction for me. Um, I said to our volunteers this morning that sometimes I feel like I talk more about whether or not our church likes the movie theater than about how are we intentionally reaching out to people who need your love. And so, Lord, I, I repent on behalf of our church for that anytime it's happened. Um, God, will you please, Lord, guide us, lead us into your uh, plan, and help us to make the steps, the commitments, so that we don't step up uh, 20 years from now and go, man, I've just been dating God. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to love you because you loved us first. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.